3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and I am sick, so I apologize for the extra nasal voice that is in your ears right now, so uh, I'll try to keep this concise and tight, even though that isn't one of my strong points as a human being. The guest this week is Eddie Breckenridge. He is the bassist for a band that is on hiatus, but can potentially be coming out of hiatus, uh, I don't know, at any juncture in the next year or so, but you know, just uh, just kind of putting that out there. Thrice, he uh, played for the band their entire duration. He's a close friend. He's a person who I've always enjoyed spending time with. Each individual member of that band is so incredibly unique. So my goal now, I realize after having both Eddie and his brother, Riley, who, for those of you that are are deep nerds of this podcast, he is the number one episode of the Hundred of Words or Less. So if you want to hear that interview, hop back into the archives. But I'm going to have every member of Thrice on this show. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to do that. And that will be the first uh, first time I... i supposed to call it a trifecta, but that's uh, not the case. There's four members, so a uh, fourfecta? I don't know. Regardless. But uh, my conversation with Eddie in a moment. Got some stuff I want to talk about. So last week's episode was obviously very special. It was a conversation with Buddy Nielsen from Census Fail where he went over a lot of stuff that he struggled with from sexual addiction to his own sexual identity, alcohol abuse, just so much heavy stuff. I I can't thank you enough for the feedback you the guest the listener the person popping in for that episode and then hopefully deciding to download more in the future because those are the sort of conversations that uh, i love to have on the show so many people found out about this show through that episode i get it it's sensational so everyone's like oh yeah i'll check in on this and then you know completely discard the rest of this this work that is put into this but for those of you that have decided to download more than one episode that's awesome. I love it. And hopefully this conversation will, will keep your interest, as it were. Uh, because, yeah, Eddie does talk about some uh, really cool stuff in this episode that, uh, I don't know, I wasn't anticipating coming out of him. So, yes, needless to say, that's just a wrap-up of the last week's show. So thank you so much for making it. It's probably going to be the most popular episode I've ever done to date with you know close to <clears throat> 25,000 downloads. It's just in a matter of a week. It's insane. So. Visit propertyofzack.com, our awesome media partners who always love to spread the word for the show. And uh, another self-indulgent sort of thing, my old band is doing some reunion shows here in December 19th at the Glass House with Misery Signals. My old band is Taken, by the way. And we also have our pre-order up for our discography on vinyl, which I am so excited about. This has been a life ambition to get this thing collected under one roof and out into the world. So visit bit.ly.com backslash taken pre-order and you'll be able to choose between two colors of vinyl and they're going quickly it's a double lp so uh hop on it I'll, we'll have some for sale at the show in december and uh we've got some other plans in the future for new music and other shows something else i wanted to address well first of all let's let's thank the people who are kind enough to donate money garrett judd and kim O'Lane. Garrett Judd, I have developed a relationship with on Twitter, and I jokingly told him to donate to the show. Just kind of like, you know, oh, hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It was cool. Like, I could see him filtering through the archives <laughs> and be and congratulating people. Uh, on a good episode uh, on Twitter. Anyways, it, I appreciate that. And Kimmo, uh, the super fan from Finland, thank you very much for your continued support and donation to the show. This actually is kind of the, the month that I've sort of designated to uh, potentially fundraise. I'm not going to beat you over the head about it. Everyone asks you for money. Every podcast is like, oh, we're listener supported. We really appreciate it. You get it. For those of you that listen to podcasts on the regular, I guess my difference in approach towards this is the more you contribute, the more cool stuff I can do. I have all of these random ideas kind of kicking around in my head in regards to making the show better, whether it's like traveling for interviews, whether it's just being able to dedicate more of my time to this because I have a financial stake in this. So. Please, if you have not donated as of yet and find this a worthwhile endeavor, please go to the website. Two things. You can do a one-time donation, which is basically any amount. People pop in. It's like, you know, I don't get a ton of donations. You know, I'll be frank. It's like, if I get one or two a week, I am so stoked. So, and even if it's like five bucks, I could care less. This is just your way of being like, hey, here's The internet tip jar, I'm going to go ahead and throw it your direction when realistically, there's so much other stuff you could be spending your money on. So I feel like it's like that donation cuts through all the noise and shows the fact that you find this valuable. So you can go on the website, 100wordspodcast.com. On the right side of the page, there's a donate button. That's a one-time donation. If you're looking to contribute on a regular basis... Uh, there is something that's called a Patreon, and I'll send you free cool stuff. And you even have the opportunity, if you're willing to pony up up cash, I will interview you for an upcoming episode. So that is patreon.com backslash x x. And you can find that basically on the same website, 100 wordspodcastcom And you'll be able to see that uh, on the right side of the page. So please contribute November and April. Those are the months that I'm coming at you for just twice a year. Bugging you for money. And I, I there are, are friends of mine that haven't donated, and that's fine. But I'm looking at you. Okay. If you're my friend, you should donate. <laughs> Talk about a guilt trip, right? Uh, anyways, so enough of that shilling. But there's one other interesting thing that kind of popped up in regards to how popular last week's episode was the flyby internet commenters. Or maybe this is just adjusted or me trying to justify why they're being mean to me. <laughs> uh two things in particular one of course there's like some anonymous mail i get through tumblr saying hey dude stop interrupting the people as you're asking a question or waiting for their response and then another one was a a person on twitter uh basically saying every episode of 100 words or less is like uh uh-huh hmm okay cool yeah i get where you're coming from you know, the sort of like interjected pauses that I, I decide to put in there just because that's naturally the way that I talk. And I feel like I'm trying to, uh, you know, keep the conversation going and flowing from that perspective. Uh, man, I, it's so weird because you, you, you try to take all that stuff with a grain of salt and you're just like, okay, whatever. That's a person doing that completely reactionary, 100% turn the mirror on myself. And I'm like, man, do I interrupt people when I interview them? Do I not give them a chance to talk? Ultimately, I feel like I'm doing an okay job because people give me feedback and say, this is cool. I like that. Or if if I wasn't getting that sort of feedback, then I would expect that I'm doing a terrible job. Um, But yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's interesting how we as humans immediately focus on the negative and are just like, well, why don't you like me? Why didn't you think that the thing that I did was was cool and that hurts my feelings? And those two particular things didn't hurt my feelings, but I I always immediately, I go on the defensive and, oh, this is why I do that. This is why I fill those pauses with like, uh uh-huh, okay, yeah, yeah, especially when it comes to an in-person interview. I immediately turn and I want to justify I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I just, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, that's just my natural inclination. When something filters in through my inboxes or social media, I just immediately go like, well, no, this is why. Thank you for the constructive criticism, especially when it's not anonymous. If someone's like tagging me on Twitter and they're like, yo, you suck. It's like, okay, let's have a discussion about it. And then if you still feel like my reasoning behind what why I do what I do uh, doesn't satisfy you, that's fine. Peace sign. We'll talk later. Anyways, so Eddie Breckenridge, like I said, plays bass for Thrice. We got to do this conversation when I was in Chicago about a month and a half ago, and uh, it, it's we're we're both pretty loopy. It's late at night. It's like you know, I want to say eleven, twelve at night, and uh, we had attended a music festival all day. So uh, the sort of conversations that we had were unlike most. Of what I've had. The only other conversation I can I can think of that I had like this in the show was a uh, chat I had with uh, Chad Peterson, the bassist of Strife. Just because, again, that was also really late at night. But um, there there becomes this like uh, weird sort of truth elixir that happens after like 10 p.m. at night. I don't even know if it's like just uh, you're you're drunk off being tired. I don't know. I mean, neither neither myself nor Eddie had drinks. I don't drink personally. And I know Eddie uh, doesn't consume alcohol on a very regular basis. So uh, we were both sober, but we, you know, kind of punchy. I think that's the best word to describe it. But Eddie goes through a bunch of stuff and I'm excited to share this conversation with you. So I'll shut up. Here's Eddie. I'll talk to you afterwards. I w- honestly, I wish I had something specific as far as like our first sort of meeting, but you because I I've known remember. you for so long,
4: do you remember? Like, wouldn't we? I don't know if I knew you before Taken or.
2: Okay,
3: because the, fir- the first Thrice show that I saw, that I do know, you guys. Big mistake. <laughs> you guys played some random church in Irvine with slick shoes. Oh, uh, Okay. Like, and I just remember, and I can't, I think I went there because, because our mutual friend, your eventual manager, Nick was like, Hey, these guys are playing this thing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I just remember. So, I, but I only remember, I think, meeting your brother, but anyway, so it, that, that was my first memory. He's a
4: memorable one.
3: <laughs> and he, I just, I don't think I ever told anybody in your band this, but. Again, our mutual friend, your eventual manager, Mm -hmm. Nick, was like, hey, so I'm thinking like those dudes in Thrice, Like, I think I want to help them and manage them and he was kind of telling me he wanted to do this Mm -hmm. and I was like, I was like, for real, like that—that sort of that terrible Good Riddance ripoff band. (laughs) Even though, like, I don't know why I always pull Good Riddance out for you guys. I we had
4: one song that sounded pretty similar to Good Riddance.
3: Yeah, but it was just funny because I was like, I was like, oh man, dude, I don't know about that, man. Like in my infinite, I would have
4: said that too. (laughs) So honestly,
3: (laughs) in my infinite wisdom, I was like, oh yeah, those guys aren't going anywhere. And not, I wasn't even like, those guys aren't going anywhere. But like, because I think the thing that made what you guys do so interesting was the fact because you wore your influences on your sleeves. Like the illusion of safety was coming out and I had heard the songs before you guys officially yeah, released yeah. the record. And it was like, you had, you know, equal parts like botch and soil work. And it was like, I could, there, like there are very few bands, even bands that I've known as well as you guys to be like, Oh, that's like a Eddie part. Or that's like a Riley part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I presume it was, pretty deliberate the fact that you guys were just like well here's the bands we liked and like this is kind of what we want to sound like
4: mm-hmm. there's an aspect of us always wanting to incorporate like as many different types of music as possible yeah but there was also at least from me i was like it can't be too close and maybe we failed in some in some ways <laughs> yeah but i i was kind of the guy in the band that would be like that's too close that's too close that's too close right. but at the same time I was also the one that was encouraging like let's make this a little bit more diverse. Like this. Yeah.
3: Sure. You'd be like, let's push that. Let's not, not get too, right. oh, let's not okay. get it all the way there, just yeah. sort of there. Okay, that
4: that Iron Maiden riff just changed a little bit so it doesn't sound like Iron Maiden <laughs> as much.
3: Right. You yourself born in Orange County or in LA? Yeah, or? I was born in Newport Beach. In Newport Beach at Hogue Hospital? Yes. Oh, great hospital. It's fabulous. Delivered stuff. my well, I didn't deliver
4: my child, but Whoa.
3: my child was born at that <laughs> hospital. And so you being a younger sibling, mm-hmm. you and Riley are what, 2 3 years apart? Mm, 5. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, almost five. Almost five. Yeah, four, four and three quarters. Yeah, four and three. What sort of you know kid did you find yourself being like as you were growing up? Like you've always struck me as a person, what you know, you've always been very connected to the outdoors, like an active guy. Yeah. Was that was that always kind of present, or was that something that you grew into?
4: Yeah. Um. I mean, I was never like a big sports dude, like mm-hmm. my brother was. Well, maybe I was earlier on, but as soon as like I was introduced to more like individualistic kind of sports like skating and surfing and mm-hmm. whatever daydreaming if that's a sport <laughs> if that's I love a sport that's that an um, individual yeah yeah uh i just gravitated towards that mm-hmm. and um just i've always kind of been obsessed with doing things different you yeah. know not to be like like a punk about it but just just i like doing th- Things my own way. You know? Right. So,
3: well, you know, you, you, I mean, it's good you bring that or you, you, you signify that because, yeah, it's like you're not a contrarian by nature, not like, oh, you're not always the guy that's saying no or whatever yeah. or going left when everyone's going right, but you, it just seems to be like a, a pursuit of your,
4: yeah. I enjoy people that do that sort of thing, especially with like art mm-hmm. as well. Like, you know, you listen to a band. And the band that strikes you with something that you've never heard before—that's what I gravitate towards. Like, I enjoy things that are like hooky right. and like you know catchy things. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I think it's seeing okay. somebody like perceive things in a way that you've never seen, or being introduced to a you know just like a new perspective on whatever it is, is amazing to me. Like mind expanding, and right? That, like that's, that's what
3: that's what you crave. Yeah,
4: totally. And yeah. the best thing about it, Music and art.
3: The relationship that you developed with, with your brother because you guys even though there's obviously a lot of similarities that you guys have, there's a lot of things that you guys obviously do very differently, but yet you seem close. Oh, totally. Did you was there ever divisions in your guys' relationship as far as like, dude, like I'm gonna do my thing, you do mm. yours? You, you guys were kinda always symbiotic like that?
4: I think we were pretty normal as as brothers like through, you know, school years. Mm-hmm. until he left for college and that's kind of when I gained the perspective of like whoa I miss my brother. Yeah. What's he doing? Um <laughs> Right. I'm I mean I always I, I always I always kind of followed him. I liked his friends a lot. They they were like really nice to me and I wasn't annoying either. Like I'd yeah, be yeah. scared to to annoy them. Right. And, and I think they respected that. So but I looked out to him, and a lot of the music that I was influenced by as a kid was stuff that he brought home. Mm-hmm. And then I think there was a point when we we kind of like shared influencing each other when I got into the surf and skate stuff because that that introduced me to a lot of music through skate videos and whatnot. Right. Um, and I think that's when we got into more like punk stuff. And so you guys just started like swapping that stuff back and forth. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then he got way into doing like radio, and he he was doing. He had a radio show on KCI, I think, before. Oh, really? Yeah, before he was in college, I think. They had like a fake sports, (laughs) sports cast. It was they actually got kicked off the air because they said some things that were like offensive or something like that.
3: Yeah, not not FCC approved. Yeah, Yeah,
4: but then that also introduced him to like KCI and like Mm -hmm. um, the shows that were going on there and bands that were playing on and like, which is rad. I mean, just eye opening as far as like
3: there's all this, you know, being
4: younger and then hearing what like college kids are listening to and whatnot.
3: Right. Right. And so you like, you know, once you started to, um, you know, kind of go through high school and stuff like that, did you, you know, were you just continually focusing on those individualistic aspects of, of your life as far as like, all right, you weren't playing sports, but you were skating and surfing and you were like, did you care about school? Like, did you quote unquote apply yourself? Mm.
1: (laughs)
4: Probably not. Yeah. Um, I always did the least possible work to get by, <laughs> yeah. so I could focus on the things that I was, you know, interested in, mm-hmm. which at the time was almost exclusively skateboarding. Right? Um, did you want to be a pro, like a pro skater? Was that? Oh like, yeah, yeah,
3: for sure. Were you were you like actively pursuing it in the sense of like I need to get sponsors and like? Did you think? Of yeah,
4: the- I mean, and I did like little little sponsors, but I was also kind of how I am with writing music still. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have connected the dots then, but I'm like, Oh, this part's not good enough. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna submit this yet because I know I can do better. And then it just I never really like, but you got like a video finished. together. Finished. Yeah, kind maybe? of, I had like sponsor me videos, but usually uh-huh. how I ended up getting connected with companies was just people seeing me or whatever.
3: You'd be like at Huntington Skate Park or something and people would be like, who's that guy over there?
4: Yeah, or like friends of friends would be like, yo, you need a guy this broken rich kid, yeah, let's check him out. <laughs> like, uh, maybe, I don't know.
5: Yeah. <laughs> the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken and I wish that I would be able to like get it. Instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno.
3: Was that something you, you were like, this is, this is kind of my career path, mom and dad. Like, I think we can do this. Or was it just like, Oh, I'm doing this because I I just love this. And I don't know anything else I can really apply myself to. Mm, No, I wanted to do, I
4: wanted to do things.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
4: Well, I mean, I mean, I, I wanted to pursue a career or something, but, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I had an art teacher that ended up introducing me to art, and then I realized that I like experimenting, and, and I ended up... I had a teacher that actually helped me a ton
1: mm-hmm.
4: um, introducing, like, <laughs> This sounds funny, but it was a ceramics teacher. Okay. And he kind of let me do whatever. And, yeah. and he saw that, like, that's what, like, made my brain happy and right. go nuts. <laughs> right. And I luckily... He was he was nice to me and he, and he let me destroy a lot of things and in, in the process, but um, yeah. it totally changed my life because that more so than the skateboarding or anything opened my eyes up to like the infinite expanse of experimenting and mm-hmm. learning from a process of trial and error and all that and, yeah. and that just.
3: So you were making, making, like, like sculptures and, like... I'd, like,
4: start mixing clays together. Like, stuff that other kids in the class weren't doing because they were trying to get their projects done. And I'd just be, like, in the corner, like... bad scientist? Putting wax inside clay and then <laughs> throwing a pot or something and seeing where this wax came out mm-hmm. in the... W- whatever I was making. And then he'd fire it and it'd explode and everybody's projects would be busted. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> You know that
3: he just kept letting you do it, though. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. But then, he, he but says, then, like, you
4: know, what's funny is like, like I, I felt this like awesome bond with him, and then like I don't know, a couple of years after high school, I came back uh-huh. and like one just to say hi and thank you for everything that right. he did for me, and he didn't remember who I was. I was like, you're like Aww. What's wrong with you?
3: Right, like you put. It's like you kind of pushed me off in this this mm. experimental direction, and.
4: Well, that was before I was into music, really. I mean, yeah. playing music, at, right? Too. So, but that, I mean, without him, I don't know what the heck I would be doing at this right. point. Right, right. It was, yeah. it was
3: that was like was that like freshman
4: sophomore year or like towards um, the end of high school? Pretty much towards the end of high school. Yeah. Like I started, I I played a little bit of guitar. I got like a classical guitar when mm-hmm. I was just in high school, or, but I didn't really play that much. And then every once in a while, I'd pick it up. And then I actually met Tepe through skateboarding oh really just, just like sim like same skate parks you were random there? yeah and uh we'd like talk like people would be playing music or whatever around and i'd right. be like oh yeah i like that band too i saw him in this thing and then I don't know. We started hanging out and then he introduced me to Dustin and then I introduced them to Riley and then right. we started making music. But that was also the first, I mean, Thrice was the first band I was ever in.
3: I know. That's why I, that's amazing.
4: <laughs> yeah, it it kind of sucks. Well, it's right. awesome, but it, it's like, you didn't have, I don't the, know. You didn't
3: have like the. I mean, well, to be fair, like, cause I I always look at that and it's like, oh man, like that's awesome that you got to, you know, be like the first thing you started to get to be the thing that carried you for many, many years. Yeah. The thing about that too, is the fact that it's like, you know, you can look at your first impressions EP and just be like, like, obviously that's painful for you to look at. <laughs> I, I mean, painful, yeah. like you're like, oh, it's nostalgic and whatever. Yeah. But like, that's essentially like you guys went through, you know, whatever, three, maybe four different evolutions. So sonically, so you guys were different bands throughout the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> so you, you kind of did have the first band with just like, here's our first EP. We're terrible. Here's our first full length. Like we're, we're minorly better. Like,
4: well, that's the crazy yeah. thing too, is you, that band is still the band, you know, yeah. like yeah, that people know me or know us as like the worst band that I've ever been in is also the best band that I've that, ever that, been
3: in. That is mind-blowing You when you put it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's like you you yourself, obviously, it's like so intimately attached to not only like the band, but every evolution of yeah. it. And it's hard to be like, I'm sure it's hard for you to like draw lines of like, well, yeah, I see like why we were doing it that then. But it's like, well, it's all kind of just one big
4: thing. Yeah. <laughs> I always felt like we were getting away with something because we were always just trying things and somehow people liked it. Right. And I always, you know, I'd you'd play with bands or whatever and I'd be like, oh my gosh, these bands are so rad. Why are people gravitating towards what we're doing when we're just trying to be as good as these bands that we're playing with or whatever? Right, right. I don't
3: know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, um, yeah, we won't. We won't sorry, fast. I'm in this. No, no, we won't, it's okay. <laughs> we won't fast forward too much. But so then... um so, as you started to you know kind of like get out of high school like because when did that thrice start in your life like had you graduated high school yet uh, it was like
4: the end of my senior year of high school
3: that's when you guys were yeah. started to play together. Did you have plans like to go to college like did you go to college or anything? I went to
4: the Orange Coast college okay' just, yeah, right. just like a junior college yeah. and everybody from Orange County goes there like at least once Yeah, yeah,, I was <laughs> undeclared and I wanted to be a sculpture major, and I took classes for that. And then, knowing that that wasn't a smart thing for a career, right? Quote unquote, music kind of pulled me away from that, which is good because <laughs> I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Of course, of course, yeah.
3: And so then, at uh, the the thing I always find interesting too, where it's like, especially because obviously you and your brother started to like get involved with you know the subculture of you know punk hardcore, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it that your parents didn't kind of like summarily, because I mean, you know, it's like, whatever, you get one kid that gets into it and the parents are kind of like, like, all right, like that's manageable. But both you and your brother are kind of like, Hey, we're doing this. Like, yeah. But the the entire time your parents were like really supportive to a certain extent or were they,
4: they, well, there was a, I think there was a turning point. Um, The hardest part I would say was when we, we signed to hopeless Mm -hmm. and the label was like, well, if you guys want to do this, we need you to guarantee that you'll you'll be touring because that's just, you know. Part of the deal. Part yeah. of the deal. And um, telling my parents that, they were like, okay, well, you know, this will be like fun for a couple months or something, right? And, right. No, well, might be longer than that. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, but right around that time, too, we ended up playing a show at like the House of Blues pretty, I mean, in Anaheim, it's pretty close to where we, we grew up. Right. And um, the show sold pretty well, and they it was our their first time actually seeing us. I think or I think it was actually their first time seeing us. Yeah, and they were like, "Oh, okay, I get it." I mean, I don't really get the music, but I get you know, I get yeah, it, kind like, of a you're thing. You're right.
3: It's like your parents could see the thing that I always noticed about parents watching their kids' bands play is not so much the fact that like my kid's doing something cool, but the way fans or whatever yeah, the yeah. crowd interacts, where it's like. Oh wow, like that is meaningful. Totally. And that's like such a Yeah, that's when you yourself can be like see, like it's not absolutely worthless like in your own like in your sort of practical real yeah, world. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> totally. But then after, I mean, from that point on they were they were super supportive. Even mm-hmm. to the point where like my dad's family members were like what what are you letting them do kind of a thing. Really? And not in like a You're being a bad parent, but yeah, but they were just like, are you sure? Like, yeah, are you sure about this? Like the double take? Yeah. (laughs) But I think it also took them or him showing them like having them come out to a show to be
3: right. There's, there's proof. Yeah. There's proof in the pudding when you go see like that, this is affecting people with you obviously starting to, you know, I mean, once you, you guys started to play out and play shows and stuff like that, I mean, two things about that time. Was the fact that it's like you guys, like you were, I, you could probably say this throughout your entire career. You were never home with any band that you played with. Sure. Sonically speaking, it's like, yeah, you were, you know, whatever. You were too heavy for a punk show. You were too light for a hardcore show. Yeah. You were way too loud for like an indie rock show. Yeah. So you just played with like anybody.
4: Which is awesome. <laughs> but at the same time, drove me to be so. I don't know what the word is uh, anxious or neurotic or whatever about who we were because Uh you know, you play with a a heavy band and be like, we're not heavy enough. Like we need to do like the next record. We need to do heavier stuff. And then we play with like a super awesome, like melodic band. We'd be like, we sound so dumb when we're, like, yelling on the stage and just, like, jumping around <laughs> being idiots. Right. And and it was just, like, a constant back and forth. But the back and forth was healthy because it made us focus and try to pull, like, the best parts that we liked about these bands and somehow have, try to put them together where it didn't yeah, sound like they didn't it, like it sounded like they worked together, you know. Right, it wasn't Which, just like a cut and paste. Hopefully, job. we did on some of the earlier records. I don't think we did very well, but right at well, that time too, it was I, uh, a lot of bands. I mean, I think maybe your band too. Right, thought it was cool to have no repeating parts. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. Even the coolest part of the entire song, you only play it once. Right. Let's. Like
3: that part's rad. Let's have, let's let's really milk it for like fifteen seconds. Yeah,
4: fifteen <laughs> seconds. Should we go back to it? No, man. No, well, we already did that. Yeah. Okay.
3: Oh, oh. oh well, then, yeah, we got to come up with some other sick parts around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, and so yeah, I mean, I, I can. I mean, that's what that's why. Obviously, it was so you know that whatever apropos when you know identity crisis came out and that was like completely like was I mean obviously the album title was a conscious thing. Oh, totally. So like that that was ultimately just like you guys. Well, like well, we're not home anywhere. Yeah. So this
4: is why we. <laughs> but well, that that title I mean, partially came because we sent like demos out to record labels and whatnot. Right. And I remember we got one back from. Don't quote me. On this, right, right, right. But I'm going to be quoted on it because I'm saying it. Right, right. I think it was Fat Records was like, "Thank you for like what you submitted. Right. Um, we think you don't really know who you want to be." Okay. That's probably true. but right. It's still fun. So right. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know. Well, especially
3: was that like a was that like a letter back to you guys?
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Back when you got the the letter back.
3: Right. Our email. Total, yeah. You you get the the rejection letter or like the form letter coming back where it's like oh yeah they they didn't like that
4: yeah yeah but it's actually written towards us
3: right yeah especially yeah you're like oh that was a personalized thing. Yeah, yeah thanks <laughs> they <laughs>
4: actually heard it
3: they listen to it and they call us out for it like when you know obviously as you guys started to progress and like you mentioned like signing with hopeless and and things started to grow when for you personally did you start to feel that was like this was a quote-unquote like real thing where you like you noticed it having either like an impact either whether it was like a specific show or something along the way where you were just like this is weird because you know like i would imagine that throughout even the early, you know, the earlier years, I doubt that you would have referred to yourself as like a musician, you know, yeah. like,
4: <laughs> well, this is the thing about me. This is the thing about you. Um, it's also a good thing about me, but I, I don't think there is ever a point where I was like, okay, this, you know, this, this is what I, I should be doing, or this is what uh-huh. I was, I was born to do or w- whatever. Like, our band has like a purpose. Like Mm -hmm. I think it was more me going like, I need to figure this out. I need to solve this. Like I, we're not good enough. We need to get this right. Okay. Each record. I mean, till the last record, it's like, (laughs) it was just a puzzle for you in a way. Well, I think, I mean, the feedback that I've received from people that like the music, I'm like, you know, they're like, oh, we like this so much. Like, thank you. And I'll be like, can I tell you where where it came from? Yeah. You know, like, this is what I like. This is what we were talking about. And this is another reason why we like to put liner notes in the, the records about, like, what the songs were about or what we were writing about. Totally. Because oftentimes we would play shows. I was talking to you about this earlier. We did a tour with um, These Arms Are Snakes. Yep. And Planes Mistaken for Stars. And I remember that being a tour where we were, like, really excited about the lineup. They were huge influences on us. Mm -hmm. And then playing the shows and the kids, like, not all of them, but, you know, the people coming to the shows didn't get it. And we were like, no, but this is the reason why we're a band. right? And if people don't like this, we're doing something wrong. What are we doing wrong, guys? Uh Like, what's going on? And that bummed me out and just wanted, you know, push the process more it's like mm-hmm. let's make let's make these people that don't get this hate our next record because right. i wanted to sound more like these bands that i love right you, you want know? you
3: wanted to push against whatever opposition you felt like you were getting totally yeah. and then,
4: and then, i mean that was also ended up being becoming like the identity of the band it was like uh-huh. okay we did that this is what's wrong with that. Right. Let's move on to this. You know, you, you people get, are calling us screamo. Let's not make yeah a heavy like. Let's start adding pianos and doing like we love Radiohead. Like, right. And I okay. This is another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a long yeah. answer. That's I remember, what this is for. Okay. I remember. The, I might have progressed beyond where you are in the timeline of things. It's completely but like, fine. Yeah. Anecdotal um, story okay, reference. Okay. 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 Right? Okay. So, Artist in the Ambulance was out. Um, and we wrote it pretty quick. I had like a lot of issues with like the final product, how it sounded, like where my brain was at versus where the record was at, like stuff like that. And a lot of that had to do with the, how, how rushed the process was. Mm-hmm. And we go to this, something in the UK. Okay. One of our favorite bands cave in, those guys are there. Yeah. And I remember seeing Steve Brodsky and talking to him and just being, he's like, how are you doing? Or whatever. I was like, ah, I'm alright. I'm just like kinda like down on whatever. Mm-hmm. I wanna do this, I wanna do that, I don't really feel like we hit this. And like all he said was, So why don't you do it? Like, next record, go for it. Like do whatever you want to do. And I'd be like, I don't know, but like we I don't know if we can do this. And he's like, Why not? Just do it. Just make what you make. Right. And I was like, Yeah. Yeah. You know? Right. You're like, Yeah, why can't we do that? Yeah. Right. Which is So like what rule there are no, it's music. Like the only rules that'll pop up is if you're worried about what people think about it. Mm -hmm. If you think you have like a sound and you need to adhere to it or whatever. Right. Or like business restrictions. Yeah. Business restrictions. But like, it's like,
3: Right. That shouldn't.
4: You that know, you, that was, hopefully, uh, hopefully. Uh, that was never an, uh, a thing of ours like right. We made a lot of poor business decisions for the sake of doing things the way that we wanted to and right. I'm actually that of anything of our band mm-hmm. that I'm proud of it's that. Yeah. Yeah. That you that you guys cuz you be like I don't really like that record but I'm glad that we did this instead of that, you know. Or right. I'm not going to say I didn't really like that record. The nah, maybe I could I don't know.
3: Well, I'm sure, I mean, you being, the, the you being, you know, not only very critical of, of, of yourself, like, you, I mean, you're very reflective, obviously, on the music that you put out, like, yeah. as a whole and as individual pieces. But I think the the, the thread that I like, I'd i like to pull out there is the, you know, you did, I never really thought about it in these terms, but, like, you had, you really had a sort of slash and burn approach. Totally. To where it was like, well, like, everything you knew us to be, like, screw you like <laughs> we're kind of we're 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 doing this thing like you can follow us or like cuz i i remember you know a, a specific memory i had when you guys i saw you guys in seattle i was randomly up there for whatever reason i saw you were on tooth with under oath i think okay. and it was i think it was he's v- i think Vizu, so. Vizu. yeah, yeah vizo yeah. um and it definitely was one of those things like that was when i start to i started to feel the crowd that wanted you guys to be the band that you were 2 or you 3 were, years yeah. ago started to be kind of like well, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But it was like, you guys seemed completely just kind of put your heads down and just like push through it. Cause we were like, well, dude, that's like,
4: the most punk rock thing you can do.
3: Right. It's like you're either with us or, or we'll, we'll kind of leave you in the dust. Yeah. It's like, if you want, totally,
4: if you want us to not do what is natural to us, then so- I mean, sorry. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. You want I mean,
3: you want us to be the Phoenix Ignition band for
4: oh dude ten years yeah. I mean I love that people like those old songs, but I loved them when they liked them then. Right. Like the funny thing is, like a lot of the people that were at the shows when Deadbolt was a brand new song would be like, oh, "Can they just play a song where they harmonize on the chorus, please?" <laughs> <laughs> or you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that, and like right deadbolt felt punk at the time but because we changed so much like and i don't know if no i say punk because it it feels cool
3: well it's a punk it's a punk idea i mean yeah it's it's the you know i mean you're not like liberty spiked like
4: yeah but you you in my mind i am
3: right you're like you're like i don't identify with the aesthetics but with the the, this
4: ass flap is (laughs) banging
3: yeah exactly (laughs) but like the 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 pushback that's like that in and of itself, is oh, it's the a, best,
4: right? Nothing is better than knowing when somebody hates your song and then trying to like turn them around, and be like, oh man,
3: right, right. No, that's true, yeah. Because, cause ultimately, it's like that's that's why I think your you know your band's legacy is is not only intact but obviously important, and people still continue to reference it is because not only you obviously t- took chances, but you just did, you know, you f- like you said, you even in the face of financial gain you guys were kind of like nah, we're not gonna like nah we're mm. fine like maybe explore certain opportunities but musically no. yeah <laughs> um so the uh you know obviously as things started to continually grow a- as things started to progress and obviously become extremely serious for you guys as a band as far as like so many external pressures and signing to a major you know just kind of being on the sidelines watching you guys all go through that like each it was weird, because as unified as you guys were as a band, each of you had your own journeys within that, mm-hmm. where it was like, you know, you, you you and your brother were kind of maybe going on a similar journey, but it's like I felt like you guys were definitely, when's the other shoe sort of going to drop? Like, there was a lot of anxiety in that. Yeah. Does, am I, like, am I correct in that observation? Totally. You-
4: Once it got to be, like, more of a career, uh-huh frustrated me again because I was like, well, you know, there's all these other bands that we love, why aren't they here with us? kind yeah. of a thing. And then I, I had like a sense of like guilt or what are we doing wrong kind of a thing. What do you mean like I didn't really feel like we were doing something right.
3: So you 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 were like you felt wire
4: well not only like the wire, like we must sound like too, we were too cheesy. There's some sort of like pop element that's like sacrificing the integrity of this band to the point where we're not, you know, with all these other, other bands that
3: what you perceive as credible.
4: Yeah. 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 I mean, there are other bands that were doing things that I thought was credible that were big, bigger or we weren't a, Massive. I don't know what I'm saying. No, well, no, you get, no. Because we did I, uh, decently well. I just, I feel like, I felt like we were getting away with something at yeah, times. Sure. Um, so like you, you. Like somebody missed the point and they're not understanding what, where our influences came from and why the people that influenced us. Sure. Weren't. The bigger band weren't the ones that people were talking about or whatever they were focused on you guys and a lot of times also people miss the point Uh and they and they
0: champion this thing about us that wasn't the point
4: Mm. just hard to live with
0: this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global when you come back with a Purdue Global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of
3: Right, right. Because I did did feel, just as an outsider, like I did feel some of that was prevalent in the fact that it was like, you guys were obviously caught in the groundswell of attention to our particular music scene. I want to say our, like the independent music scene. So it's like, obviously it's like, you know, Thrice and Thursday was synonymous as far as like, Oh my God! Like they got signed to a major label. Yeah. This is the second coming of Nirvana. Like, no, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that was like that was obviously the the you know whether you guys obviously believe that yourselves or not, which like you said you didn't. That was the cultural conversation around it, where it was like, yeah, oh my, these bands are are, are plucked from quote unquote relative obscurity and yeah. thrust onto this this larger stage of doing things like. I mean, dude, I remember going to like the Apple Store and you guys did the yeah, the acoustic I- show. I mean, it felt. Like, it made sense, but it was just... It was, like, all these levels of, like, wow, I can't... Like, honestly, I always... It was, like, I can't believe my friends are doing this. Like, and not in, like, a judgmental way, just in, like, this is some crazy shit.
4: Yeah, weird living it. Like, it didn't feel real, and the dots didn't really connect, and it was... It was a strange time, but that's also when I learned to, like... You know, I could just let anxiety go insane.
3: Uh Uh-huh. How are are you coping with yourself, where it's, like, were, were you, like like you said, the anxiety, like you, you could have let that sort of like override you. Like, did you try to just keep it away by trying to just kind of focus on like
4: the, the day by my eyes a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of pretending that things weren't real, Uh you know, I didn't drink or do drugs or anything. So it was just a lot of almost like I don't know. Concentrating on other things that you could like. Not,
3: no, just concentrating
4: on the music. Sure. And just letting that be.
3: What you could control in some capacity. Yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah. Just kind of getting lost in it. And then at the end of the show, realizing that there was just however many people watching that or whatever. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's totally strange to think that one or two people are watching you, you know, but to think that it's more than that drives me nuts if I actually like really think about it.
3: Right, like we just played it in front of you know whatever ten thousand people at
4: Reading and Leeds or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. crazy. Right, still doesn't seem real. So
3: as the uh, the elements of you guys, you guys' evolution musically started to play itself out, um, and then as the cultural conversation started to fade around you guys being Mm. like, okay, this is maybe not the next (laughs) room. Like, did you feel like, because you guys went through that and, and survived when I say survived, I mean like, you know, you relatively had some semblance of like a career after that. Was it like, did you feel like that was a victory or did you feel like kind of beat up by that system?
4: I mean, a little beat up by the system, but at the same time, we never really like went for it. like, some yeah. bands might sure. have and that was kind of a victory as well like doing visu for example mm-hmm. it's like we had these opportunities to work with people the label wanted us to work with like super producer hits maker kind of dudes and we were just like hell no right like, hell no right it just felt good again, and it felt good to do what we wanted to do, and not what the label wanted to hear, and all these things. And the intention was right, mm-hmm. you know. And that's all you—that's all you need. Right. Music, if the intention is right, hell yeah, just yeah, go for it, go for it. You uh-huh. know, right. If people don't like it, and which Visu was not very. I mean, it was decently received, but at the time. Not so much, not right. so much as people enjoy it now, I feel like, sure, you but, know that felt right,
3: right, right, yeah, because obviously it was such a departure that people was. You know, the logical connection of a band trying to continually get to that next quote unquote level. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, that's not a record you release after you're,
4: <laughs> no. you're
3: you know, relatively successful, commercially more, you know, palpable and yeah. easier to digest.
4: Like, and, yeah, and then directly after you make a, a multi EP concept album. Right. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I remember. Doing that tour with the, these Arms of Snakes guys because it was right. It was like right before. It was like the one of the last legs of the Visu touring cycle. Okay. And we were like, "Yeah, we're thinking of doing like a concept album," and they were like, "Really?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we we're like, "Hell yeah!" Yeah, and they're like, "Are you really?
3: You yeah. want? You sure you want to do that?"
4: Yeah that's amazing
3: as you guys continue to, cause I mean, it, it was, it was cool to not watch the proverbial sort of like bottom dropout on you guys. Cause like there always is that fear yeah. of, I mean like when I say bottom dropout where it's like all of a sudden it's like, you know, your tours get uh, progressively, not even progressively, but it's like, yeah, you guys are playing house of blues. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, next record cycle, you're like, yeah. dude, we get, we're playing front front of a half empty chain reaction. Like you yeah. never, you never fell that far.
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, there were, there was like a, 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 spot, especially like maybe not so much in our like home cities where yeah. we're like, Whoa, like things are getting a little bit. Oh really? Slim. Yeah. You yeah felt
3: yeah. yeah. Like you felt like it was like dicey and, and, and maybe, I mean like not like maybe long term, but you were just like, Oh, like you felt the effect of your yeah. challenging music pa- <laughs> path.
4: Yeah. Well, totally. there Yeah. There was a definite when it was like, okay, like. Those people that were marketed to in that major label re- initial release mm-hmm. are are out, you know. Right, but that that's kind of a victory
5: too, sure. in a way,
4: because you are like, okay, like these are the people that matter, and now we're playing the shows of people that aren't yelling for us to play the one song, right? You know, mm-hmm. people that are invested in more or want to hear the next change that we're gonna make, you right? Know? Right, which is awesome. Right. I mean, it's so weird because I don't, I mean, it, it just challenges like what is success? It's, you know, doing what you want, mm-hmm. maybe not feeling like a huge pride over it, but just like feeling good about your path, I think is like a really important thing.
3: Right. That's like, cause yeah, obviously success is such a, you know, movable object yeah. that the you know I always I, I it always blows my mind where it's like you know you you look at bands and they're always like oh man I want to be like I want to be like that band at that level and then it's like all you do is extrapolate that where it's just like you, whatever you look at some of the what a band like Coldplay mm-hmm. like what do they desire do they desire to be like U two and then what does U two desire to be like yeah yeah it, it's just a you know like a perpetual motion machine totally and and like I mean that pursuit in and of itself is obviously like. That's not where the, the the quote unquote success lies.
4: <laughs> oh, but it also, and this all goes back to why did people like you in the beginning? Mm-hmm. People didn't like your first record because it sounded like the last record because did, that didn't exist. Like, it's like, what is that? magic of that first record that people enjoyed. Can you continue that Yeah, for a career? That's true. I hope so.
3: Right. Like some element of that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It's like your ability to, to go back and pull from that initial like youthful. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Right. You know, right. That's what's rad.
3: Yeah. Um, and so the band started to, you know, wind down and, Something that I never was really, honestly, like, like worried. Just as a friend, from my perspective, to Mm -hmm. you, and honestly, not so much from like anybody that was really in Thrice, but like obviously, a lot of people wrap up their identity. Like, you are Eddie from Thrice. Like, at junctures in the band, like, did did you ever feel yourself buy into that sort of ego play, and then was it difficult for you to transition out of that? If you did no. Okay. I mean, I mean,
4: I never had an issue with having my identity be the band because, <laughs> yeah, because I was always like, I don't want my identity to be the band because I want to be better, or I want to be like, you know, like you what, like I was saying before, like I like these other bands better than my band. Like, I don't want to be identified as this. Thing that isn't as good I, I, Do you know what I'm saying Like it's Yeah No Yeah It's like you Like I didn't have an ego about it Because I didn't have an ego about the band Because like, you Right you I felt, was like this band is Kind of whatever Right
3: You felt lesser Than kind of Everybody around you I mean And like Yeah not they'd lesser. be like
4: I love your band And I'd be like No But I lo- Yes thank you But no This band's way better Right right So I didn't have an issue with that Right And Um And And transitioning beyond, I think the struggle is, is, and was more, did I, was I gifted this awesome uh opportunity? Do I deserve to continue to pursue my dream when I've already been able to do it more than most people get to, you know?
3: Yeah. You're really hard on yourself. (laughs)
4: Yeah. But I kind of like that about myself, but it, it, yeah, it is, it is a
3: where do you, th- I mean, like, I, I mean, your your brother has obviously an element of that as well, but like you, I mean, I, you're way harder on yourself, like at, at least maybe outwardly, like where, yeah. where does that, where does that come from? Like, you know, was your, what, was either
4: your mother or father, like, no, no, yeah, that's the weirdest thing. Okay. Part of it might have to do with like a competitive spirit, but okay. I'm not like a competitive with other people. I'm really competitive with myself <laughs> internally. Sure. So it's like. But that's also what drives me to be better at what I do. Right. Um, and, I, and I like that about myself, but it also has this negative effect where well, it also keeps me from...
3: Buying in any hype.
4: Or, or also pursuing things that I really want to do because I have this anxiety about it not being good enough for whatever. I mean, it's been two years and I don't have mm-hmm. new music out. Right, and that's a hundred percent. I have so much music written, right? But it's like, do you yeah. feel like
3: it's like fit for public consumption?
4: And, they, and it I, is, I, but it can be better. <laughs> so it's a constant cycle of, uh, of self-holding. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a self-abuser. <laughs>
3: Both you, you and your brother were very transparent. Obviously, I mean, when I say transparent, like obviously addressed it on social media. Like when your when your father passed away, <clears throat> and that was such an, I mean, a weird time. Obviously, for like each individual member of the band, because they went. I mean, not only did you and your brother lose your father, but like everybody else in the band lost someone like really important yeah. to them within like a two year period. You know, yeah. um, what, um, I mean, obviously, it's, it's it was a tragic thing of your father passing away. Like, how did you? How did you feel like it um sat with you? Like, you know, did you did you start to I, I'm projecting on you cuz you know, I mean, I lost my father it was like maybe about 2 years before you guys did. Yeah. And So like I'm projecting this where it's like, you know, did you start to go through like the things like you, you know, you regret not doing with him or mm-hmm. like, you know, where where did you what, what sort of per, you know, grief process did you go through from that perspective?
4: Well, luckily, I mean, from the point that also because I'm hard on myself, yeah. I didn't let regret end up happening. Okay. So the only regret that I have is stuff that was prior to the awareness of uh-huh. his passing. Passing, Sure. You know? And instantly, like, my whole life was dedicated to zero regret, you know, to him. Okay. Which I'm, I'm happy, I, you know, I'm happy I did. Right, right, right. Um, but then with him passing I also became very aware of this void that I didn't exist would happen where everything everything just all of a sudden meant less. This is super depressing. <laughs> yeah. No, no, this um, is
3: well but it's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah. Um you know, something great happens in your life and you're like meh but I don't it's, have it, that to share. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's weird. It's this like Constant, just feeling that uh-huh. just it's the only way I know how to describe it. And actually, like told a, <laughs> a girlfriend that I had at the time, this it's just like everything just means less. Uh-huh. I, just everything. It's like the 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 experiences
3: are, are experiences in general, like are dulled. Yeah,
4: interesting. Everything, and
3: because uh, obviously, it's like another way that people perceive that sort of thing is. You know, whatever it's like. Once you whatever taste death, experience death, mm-hmm. you see. You know the colors are more beautiful. Like you know, <laughs> you're like I mean, usually that's applicable to like if you yourself experience something. Yeah. But that, but that's interesting. I've just never heard. I, I honestly, because I I, I, I didn't go through that experience. What you're talking yeah. about. But the uh, that's interesting. Yeah because I, I mean like logically it makes sense you're like oh yeah like i get that because like the the points wherever like i miss my father it's always that i don't have someone to reach out to to like either console me to share in this joy or totally. and that like that that is what lingers you know yeah the the idea of what what obviously you're you're focusing on now and like you were talking about the the anxiety that that prevents you and kind of, you know, from either releasing stuff, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, how is it that you, that you attempt to cope with it? Like, I mean, it, do you think it's something that's like actually manifested where it's like, it, it's like a clinical thing? Like, is it something that you've ever been like diagnosed with? Like as far as like, have you gone to, mm. you know, psychiatrists or anything like that? I, I
4: actually, I actually tried and, and I think it, it helped. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I think my, my initial reaction: like, No, like make me make me work on something. Don't let me just like talk. Like I want to like uh-huh. want to figure this out. Same with like the way that I am with like music or whatever. I was like, I don't want to like dilly dally. Let's just like let's do it. Let's fix this. Right, like, right. I don't have time until I. <laughs> that is that is a very, very dude like way of- <laughs> Yeah, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 interesting because now my perspective is everything means. So much. Every decision. Every, uh-huh. uh, you know, each time you say hi to somebody or not, or yeah. like whatever. It's every moment can totally change your life or somebody else's life, and like I kind of like trip out on all that exactly. stuff in a cosmic way. Sure. Yeah. But then that also developed this crazy anxiety yeah. that I'm still trying to figure out how to deal with. It's like yeah, if all this stuff means so much, I'm peril- I'm yeah, like, no, oh, you can, of course Fucking peril, like... The fear, yeah, yeah.
3: Everything means so much. <laughs> it's right. like, what?
4: Right. So, um, yeah, and I'm, I've, I mean, I'll be figuring that out for the rest of my life, I think. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. The things that, the things that encourage me, I think, more than anything, is looking the way my dad did things. Uh, uh-huh and how positively he affected other people's lives and trying to let that pull me out of this paralysis or this like anxiety that I have. Um, And also, you know, I like feeling proud of things that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, Not in like an asshole kind of way, just being like, that makes me happy that people that was can pretty, share that or right, right. whatever, share a moment or look at a piece of artwork and be like, oh, oh, you made that cool. Like, yeah. how'd you do that? Oh, I was thinking about what, well, you know, like right. a story, whatever. I'm,
3: that was really, yeah, that was a, there was a special thing that you were able to be involved with in yeah. whatever capacity.
4: So those things make, are helping me pull out of whatever issues that I developed from, You know the anxiety, the band ending, or my my dad passing away, or right, right, whatever. And um, I see it, (laughs) see it changing. Uh But at the same time, it's it's been it's been a difficult couple couple years since, especially since my dad passed. But right, um, I just I would say if other people are going through similar things, I just I mean it's really important to not especially if you're a creative person, is to not let it keep you from creating. Mm-hmm. Even if I make something at home that I don't share with somebody, it still feels good to make it and be yeah excited about it. Yeah, you feel so, like you have it out of you,
3: so to yeah, speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, the last thing I want to hit on was the um, obviously, it's, you know, since Thrice has has never, um, you know, what you, te- you guys technically are on a hiatus, correct? Yes, like that's yes. what, yeah, the, the technical uh, yes. the technical term behind it all. It, I mean, I think uh, like especially because of the fact that you guys obviously didn't split from a sort of acrimonious standpoint. You guys weren't like. I hate you. I never want to be creative with you again. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I always find it so sad when it's like bands feel like they have to like break up because they're just all not in the right places. You know? Yeah. I presume it excites you to have that idea constantly kind of in your head where it's just like, Hey, maybe in a year from now or maybe even five years from now, like that thing could kick back up again. Totally.
4: Yeah. I mean, I don't ever, th- I don't think any of us think that we were done. Right. I mean, we definitely weren't all on the same page about ending it. Yeah. Halting it. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. You of, know? Of,
3: of, of ramping it down, sure.
4: Um, but at the same time, like, Major minor's not the last thrice record. Right. If it is, I'd be super bummed. Right. Um, <laughs> I think that's a horrible record. You know what I'm saying? Just like... Yeah. There's more, and we're always, you know, we have too many ideas to not... Share and right. part of the beauty of what thrice was, whether you like it or not, was that it was four people's ideas, and we found a way to put them into one thing and it's hard to do it's 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 hard to do, but also we like we can't we couldn't function without uh-huh. it would be a different band right
3: like, that's true i guess if you got if, if you guys were were all sort of stubborn and you guys didn't express your own personal um differences in the fact that like okay like we should end this like if you were stubborn put your head down push through the you know the the everybody's kind of in different spaces in their head who knows what you could have like you could have made a record that was i mean awful yeah i mean granted of course
4: yeah part of it too is like you don't want you don't want to make a record when not everybody's into it yeah right that's just like it's like that you... <laughs> de- de- destroys the the function of the band, especially being four separate minds creating one thing, which is again like the beauty of it. It's it's not anything that any of us could cre- create individually,
3: right? Right.
4: You know, and I don't know what a record will sound like ever for us. Yeah. Even if I have an idea ahead of time, I'll be like, okay, we're gonna do this and this and this, and then. By the end, and I'm like, oh, whoa! Like, right? Uh, <laughs> that, I, kinda that think, I think I kind of think that part sucks, but somebody might like it, and we're all that cool with it, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, dude. Right. They're like majority rule, but okay. And then it ends up being everybody's favorite song, and I was like, that, that sucked. Okay, well, right? Yeah, You're that's like, rad. Well, hey, man, that's yours now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: that, this this thing once we put out in the world, like we can't yep. control it. It's true. Right. It's true. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you getting comfortable in this bed with me, Eddie. Actually, there's no more than love you. I love you as well, Eddie. (laughs) Thank you for doing this. Absolutely. That was Eddie, and I hope that that gave you a little insight into... what it's like to do something for so long and then have it removed from your life and then figuring out where to pivot and go forward from there because everyone hits those transition points in life no matter how uh, high profile they are it's always uh, a struggle like that's just the reality of it especially when you don't expect this certain thing to kind of go away anyways i really appreciate eddie he is he is my boy, and I'm really glad that he decided to have this conversation with me. So thank you very much. And also thank you to Mike Minnick, who is a previous guest in the show and is a person who we had the interview with at his apartment so thank you very much the producer as always is tom richfield my baby boy and i am so glad that i will be seeing him next month i think roughly yeah he comes to the united states of america in december and that is a very exciting thing so until next week be safe everybody and donate come on just do it might as well okay i'll talk to you next week bye
1: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
5: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need